Tempicho with the Liberty Advisor, and we are here with Alex Newman at Jekyll Island, the scene of the crime where the Federal Reserve plan was hatched more than 100 years ago. And my good friend John Snyson had a question when he was watching the live stream because he is unfortunately quarantined in Canada, or he couldn't make it here because he would be quarantined. And the question he had was, it had something to do with, can you ask my friend Alex Newman what he thinks of the Financial Stability Board and the G30's role on going cashless? Yeah, thank you, John. Great question. So the Financial Stability Board, used to be called the Financial Stability Forum, has been upgraded from a kind of talk shop to a real regulatory body. I think the, uh, the acronym FSB is a very interesting choice. It reminds me of a certain totalitarian government. But what they're doing now is they're creating the institutions, the mechanisms of global governance. The FSB is going to be a critical part of that. It's actually at the Bank for International Settlements, which those of you who have read uh, Tragedy and Hope by Dr. Carol Quigley, the historian at Georgetown University, you know very well that the Bank for International Settlements is meant to be kind of the, the central bank for the central banks. It's a critical part of the architecture. Actually, I just read The Tower of Basel the other day. It's so. a very good book, despite being written by an establishment guy. There's a lot of useful information in there about what the, uh, the Bank for International Settlements does. So it's going to be a very important piece of the architecture. If I had had more time during my talk, I would have actually brought up the FSB. Um, you know, it, it's one of a constellation of agencies, mechanisms, bodies, committees that are being created that are ultimately intended to be used as the global government. Um, you know, and I think the FSB happens to be a very important part. Now the G30, you know, there's all kinds of these Gs. There's the G7 now because they kicked out the Russians. They've got the G20. But they're all working toward the same ultimate goal. And as soon as a member refuses to play along, it's, it's interesting what happens. Uh, the Council on Foreign Relations, which I know most of you guys know very well, uh, they put out a piece in Foreign Affairs a couple years ago where they called for a G9 committee to save the world order from Donald Trump. They were very upset with President Trump because he was kind of taking a wrecking ball to some of these critical institutions of global governance that they love so much. And so they proposed taking all of America's closest allies, uh, the Koreans, the Australians, the, you know, the Europeans and all the rest of them, and basically using that G9 to hold down the fort until they can get rid of Trump and, and kind of rebuild all the damage that he did. So, you know, anything with a G in front of it, a, you know, it's group of governments, uh, always you want to be weary. And, uh, you know, th this whole effort to create a world government is, in my opinion, hatched in the pit of hell. It's crazy. It's so dangerous. You don't even know where to begin with it. Uh, it's got to be resisted. Thank you for the great question. I wish you could be here with us. I'm sorry for the government's insanity that you can't uh, come around. But uh, it's, it's wonderful to be able to chat with your friend here. It's wonderful to be able to chat with you by video. And I uh, can't wait till we meet again. So Yeah, I think we'll have to have a Tim and John show uh, with, with you in the future because we could just probably go on for hours, everything you talked about with the Bank of International Settlements, uh, uh, SDR, the special, especially the special drawing rights, Council of Foreign Relations. And there's just so, many, so much overlap that we have. But I think, you know, to kind of close out because, you know, I would like to save this kind of for a later podcast where we can go into long format is we see right now this push towards digital currency, which has never, I mean, just today, uh, news came out the Bank of Japan was now going to have their own digital currency. The Bank of International Settlements has been for, you know, months or even years talking about going, uh, going this route. To me, there is pretty much almost no bigger issue because once they get this, it's really checkmate. But do you think there's any hope or any future? Because a lot of our listeners already kind of know the dangers of digital currency, but do you think there's any hope for mankind at this point or... I mean, I'd hate to say it's an inevitability, but it seems like, as David Icke was saying, if you know, if you know the you know the destination, you can see the journey, and so we can see what this 
the destination is, but do you see that there's any hope, Roy, for what's going on? Yeah, great question. And, you know, my, my first answer is, as a Christian, my hope is not in this world. So the whole thing could come crashing down, everything could fall apart, and that's okay. Because, you know, again, my hope's not in this world. Uh, in the in the physical sense, in the, in the sense of, you know, what's going on in the world today, can we stop it? I don't know. Uh, I don't know whether it can be stopped. It, I hope so. I'm going to fight like crazy to make it stop. Well, we but, couldn't even stop that guy, so I don't know. I know, right? Yeah. And I mean, this is like a freight train. You know, it's like trying to stop a freight train. They've got so much momentum. They've got so much money. They've been brainwashing the kids in the public schools for so long. Uh, trying to stop it is going to be very difficult. But more impossible things have happened. So even in the physical sense, I'm not hopeless. I want to make sure that my kids can grow up and, and live in a world with the same freedoms that I enjoyed. So whether we can win or not doesn't excuse us. We have got to be in the fight. You know, just trust God with the results. But for now, we've got a, a job to do, preserve our freedom, make this world a better place if we can. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know the answer, um, but we got to hope for the best. And I think that's a great message. And actually what I wrote down my question was, it was the most important issue besides maybe getting into spirituality or trusting in God. It was actually what I wrote down, but then I, you know, I couldn't remember everything. And uh, so I'm glad that you did bring that full circle back around. We look forward to having you on in the future. Thanks for your awesome presentation. Highly recommend you guys go check this out. I'm sure it'll probably, well, it probably won't be on YouTube. They'll probably take it down yeah, if it does right. get on there. So find, go to redpillexpo.org. You guys see it behind us. And uh, I'm sure we can find, you know, Alex's speech there, a great speech. And uh, thank you very much for your time today, sir. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. They've had this plan for a long time. That cover right there, I mentioned in 2010, I wrote that story. It's for the New American Magazine. If you don't subscribe, you should. It's one of the best uh, publications on planet Earth. Thank you, folks. It's a great magazine. Uh, you can talk to the guys outside. They'll hook you up. But uh, this is not a new idea. Uh, John Maynard Keynes, the worst economist who ever lived with the possible exception of Marx, if you give him the, the courtesy of calling him an economist, which is silly. But he proposed, along with the British government, a one-world currency after World War II. They were going to call it the Bancor. Well, the U.S. government thought, hey, one-world currency, that's cool. We'll call it UNITAS. They couldn't agree, so the U.S. dollar, by default, ended up the one-world currency, at least the global reserve currency, because it was backed by gold. The U.S. economy made up more than 50% of global GDP. Most of the rest of the productive world was bombed to smithereens. And so, okay, dollar, by default, will be the global currency. This slave has been good. He gets some cryptocurrency. This one has been bad. We will shut him off. Okay, you see where this is going, right? This is an actual patent application, and I'm not kidding. Patent application number is WO2020060606. You can find it on their website. I'm not kidding. Now, they're destroying the dollar as I mentioned. As we know it, it's fine for today, but tomorrow is a different story. Imagine a whole new breed of transactions that are smaller, faster, and virtually everywhere. That's where Minship comes in. Minship is currency in a digital form. Using a chip, you securely load value onto a smartphone, USB device, computer, tablet, or cloud. Maybe even some future device that doesn't even exist yet. Now, you're ready to go. It's like a issue, but as I understand this proposal, it's a proposal designed to increase the use of the IMS special drawing rights. Uh, and uh, we're actually quite open to that suggestion. Uh, All right, so he's at the CFR, and he's asked, what do you think about the Communist Chinese proposal for a one-world currency?
All right, so who tells Hillary Clinton what she should be doing and how she should be thinking about the future? Not us, the Council on Foreign Relations, that's what she says. Okay. Uh, now, this is a fully bipartisan thing. I'm going to show you Darth Vader in a minute, also known as Dick Cheney, uh, Vice President under George Bush. Here he is. To be back at the Council on Foreign Relations, as uh, Pete mentioned, I've been a member for a long time and was actually a director for some period of time. Couldn't tell people that. I never mentioned that when I was campaigning for re-election back home in Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I it's so funny. Yeah, we just deceived those dumb voters. What do they know? And uh, now, Sleepy Joe, uh, leader of the Communist Party in the 2020 election. And here is what he has to say about who his real boss is. Listen carefully. He's on stage here with Richard Haas. He's the president of the Council on Foreign Relations. Listen to who he says he works for. The subject of today is uh, another article in the, uh, in the magazine. Uh, I should introduce myself to people, everybody. My name is Richard Haas, by the way. Uh, I work here at the Council on Foreign Relations. And I work for Richard. Uh, and I work for Richard. <laughs> These profiteers, it's obvious, right? They want to make a lot of money. They know when you get rid of cash, Visa, MasterCard, they're going to make a whole lot more money on fees. Okay, that's logical. We got the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Chief propagandist for coronavirus hysteria. By the way, all you slaves get your vaccines all over the world. Uh, it's happening in Turkey. It's happening in the United States. It's happening in America. Here's CBS fake news. And uh, when we get the slideshow back, we'll go to that. But what you'll see is that all over the world, we have a cashless society coming in. It's not new, but now they're telling us about it on television. And in fact, I warned about this over 10 years ago. They were going to move us toward a cashless society. Now it's on the news. Back in 10 years ago, they said, you're a conspiracy theorist. That's so silly. We would never do that. And here we are, COVID, right? How scary. And as we move toward a cashless society, this is really going to have some profound implications for our small businesses, for our economy, and all the rest of it. Uh, guys, are we almost ready with the PowerPoint? Everyone, this is Tim Pichote, the Liberty Advisor. I'm a financial advisor who actually gets it. I've been red-pilled. I'm actually just coming from the Red Pill Conference. Right behind me is the Jekyll Island Club, which is where the plan for the Federal Reserve was hatched in 1910 that was ultimately put into place December 23rd, 1913. And if you're working with an advisor that doesn't know any of this stuff, doesn't get it, and maybe he lost you 15% when the market went down in March, maybe he lost you 30, 40, 50. I mean, if you're in a spot where you had an advisor that did not know what was coming, that was not making videos about what was coming, how do you think they're gonna protect you in the future? This is a warm effect for ultimately what's coming when the currency is ultimately destroyed. So again, I was on video, uploaded a video uh, right before the, the day before the stock market high on February 19th, where I gave a little YouTube, uh, gave a little GoPro video like I'm doing right now, where I listed the different reasons why the stock market was a bubble and more importantly, what you could do about it. Now, what makes myself different and my firm different than most people out there is that most people you know, who've been very bearish, they didn't make money in 2019, they've been losing money for 10 years out there. A lot of us can think of the names of people who are like that, but we made most of the gains in 2019, and then when everything was collapsing, barely lost any money at all during the worst of it. So how many people out there could say that? And so you know, a lot of you took a big roller coaster ride on your money, and if you're you know, 55 to 65, you're in that retirement red zone, as Prudential likes to call it, you can't afford to take any gambles this close to retirement. There is a notion out there called sequence of return risk, where it is the notion that the average return in retirement is actually not as important as the order of your returns. So 
So if you're about to retire and you're down 20% year one, you're gonna have to gain 42% over the next three years to get back to even, assuming you're taking a 4% withdrawal. So if you've got a million bucks, you're taking $40,000 out per year, your million bucks turns into 800,000. Well, because you're taking out that $40,000 per year, the math changes a little bit, and now you actually have to go up 42% over those next three years to get back to even. So we do have the Jekyll Island, Club right behind us, which is where the Federal Reserve was hatched. And if you're with an advisor who you know didn't get all the gains, you know last year got a lot of the losses this year. You know what are you doing? You know I would really recommend that you check us out down below the LibertyAdvisor.com for more information how we can put you and your family on a better path through achieving all of your retirement dreams and goals. Thank you.